Hi, welcome back to Cycling Talk Podcast with me, Georgia Mahoney. Today, I am joined by rider for Group Armour FDJ, Jake Stewart. I really enjoyed recording this episode. Make sure to listen till the end as I had a special chat with Jake about his experience at the National Road Race Championships a few weeks ago. Don't forget, Cycling Talk Podcast is supported by Big Bubble Hats. Head over to www.bigbubblehats.co.uk and get 15% off using the code CYCLINGTALK15. I am now a Valiskin ambassador, so go to valiskin.cc and use the code CTP10 for 10% off. Every purchase made using this code supports me and the podcast. Thank you for joining me today, Jake. Thank you. No, it's a pleasure to, uh, to come on a podcast again and talk about cycling. What's your first memory of being on a bike? Um, <laughs> I always get asked about a first memory being on a bike, but I don't think it's actually a memory because it's just a story that I've been told so many times by my parents. But um, yeah, when I was, I don't know, it was the f- first bike I had like three or four. And uh, yeah, I got given it for my birthday with little stabilizers like this little uh, black bike with red spots on it. My dad always called it the ladybird bike or something like this. Um, and yeah, that was kind of my first memory. Like there's photos, there's videos, all kinds of stuff from when I was like three or four, just riding up and down our, our street back home. Um, being on a bike and kind of, yeah, from from then on, I was pretty obsessed with, with bike rides and well, with bikes and, and riding. And uh, mm. yeah, kind of, it just, yeah, I've always been into bikes ever since then. And what's the first bike that you remember being really excited about? So, yeah, my first bike that I was really ever excited about was, um, so I started off in cycling doing triathlon. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't very good at swimming and running and really didn't enjoy that. But I was pretty good on the bike and uh, enjoyed doing that. So, um, yeah, the first bike I really remember getting excited about was uh, a triathlon and I was just doing triathlons on a little mountain bike. And uh, there were some other guys, you know, on racing bikes with drop handlebars and stuff like this. And uh, I'd said to my dad, like, oh, I want one of them. How, how can I get one of them? And he said, well, you need to take it seriously kind of thing. So, yeah, I started training and stuff from there. And, uh, yeah, the first the first bike I was really exci- excited to get was my first road bike that I had. And, uh, yeah, actually still got it back home at my parents' house. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> what sort of bike was it? So it was a Trek. I can't remember what model it was. It was a little Trek drop handlebars. It was white, red handlebar tape. And uh, yeah, I was dead excited about it because it was, it was an aluminium frame, but it had carbon, carbon forks. And oh, I was dead excited yeah. about having some, uh, some carbon. <laughs> Can you tell me a bit more about your triathlons that you did? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I got introduced through triathlon because my uncle was always doing triathlons. So he did triathlons and marathons and all of this and um yeah I tried like you know like at school PE and stuff like this a load of different sports football rugby and all that kind of stuff and pretty rubbish at a lot of that so um yeah I got into triathlon and kind of you know it was kind of a family weekend out my uncle and my dad would do the triathlon and then I'd do the, the youth category so yeah I got involved in triathlon through that and just kind of inspired through my uncle doing the Ironmans and then mm. yeah from there like I said it was pretty pretty bad at swimming and running and bike riding was the only thing that I was good at in the triathlon and actually enjoyed as well so it kind of my cycling career started from there really and my interest in in cycling alone. Can you tell me about your first race on the bike? Yeah so my first race was um yeah like a West Midlands circuit I think it was called um circuit development West Midlands I think and it was at our local, yeah, our local circuit to us, which was also my local cycling club, so Sully Hall. Um, and yeah, everyone used to, it was called CDWM. And everyone just used to abbreviate it to Crash Development West Midlands just because everyone used to just crash there. So <laughs> yeah, that was my first ever race. And yeah, um, it was like a day and you had like, you know, a load of different circuit races, different lengths, uh, a time trial and stuff like that. And then, yeah, the last race in rushed as well. So kind of lived up to the name of the race. But yeah, that was probably when I was, I don't know, under 12, um, under 12, under 10, maybe. But yeah, it was a, a solid circuit. That sounds cool. And were you part of a local club? Yeah, so I, so my first road bike we got from a local bike shop. Um, and my dad asked the, the guy at the bike shop 
if there was any local clubs that he recommended going to. And actually, so we lived in Coventry, but um, so Solihull was maybe 30 minutes from uh, from Coventry. But that was like the closest cycling club that had like a youth development um, youth development program. So yeah, I, I grew up at Solihull Cycling Club and basically raced with them all the way through until just before I turned junior. Um, mm. And then, yeah, even even through junior, I still had some connection with, with the cycling mm. club there. Who did you ride with and what sort of riding did you do growing up? Yeah, so, yeah, when I was, you know, when I was doing triathlon and stuff like that, I'd go out with my my dad, just just easy rides kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, I didn't really do too much doing triathlon. And then when I joined Solio Cycling Club, we used to have a session every Tuesday at the circuit in uh, in Solihull, and that was always um, good fun. And then, yeah, Saturday Saturday morning we used to have the apple pie run. It was called, and that was just uh, yeah, a bike ride, social bike ride. Everyone, you know, all the youth riders together. Maybe there was between ten and twenty riders, a couple of parents. We used to ride out to a cafe and then and ride back. And uh, yeah, when I was really little, or when I was younger, I used to just ride uh from from like the start of the ride to the cafe and then my mum and my mum would come and pick me up in the car and then kind of as I got older and better at cycling um yeah I used to ride you know the whole ride and then I'd ride over to the start of the ride and then ride back eventually so yeah it was all to do pretty much when my whole youth was with uh with the cycling club in Solihull. Mm. What do you remember about your first national race? Oh, national race. I I think my first national race was what we were talking about earlier. And it was uh, Derby, the cyclocross. Mm. I think that was my first national race that I did. Um, yeah, I kind of, just the way the age groups worked, I started obviously uh, doing nationals earlier as a under 12 or whatever I was because the cyclocross season was before the race season. Um, so yeah, that I think Derby National Cyclocross was probably my first national race. And then for my first national road race, um, I haven't got a clue. It would have probably, yeah, would have been whichever the first national road race of the season was, probably Milton Keynes or something like that. But um, yeah, certainly I know for sure the uh, the first national race that I did was a uh, Derby cyclocross. And what sort of training did you do once you started racing nationally? Yeah, so yeah, so I probably started racing nationally under twelve. I think it was under fourteen um and then and then yeah to be fair my training was never really serious as a youth rider kind of I was never forced into it by my mum and dad and they always just wanted me to to go and have fun and that kind of the training that we did at, at Solihull and at the circuit was uh you know it wasn't training it was you was riding your bike you know you was having little races and stuff like that but it didn't feel like training and it wasn't a chore in that sense so yeah you know when I was young it was all to do with the club and at the circuit and you know, the coaches would give us different drills and different sessions and different games to play. And then kind of, I didn't start training seriously probably until uh, my final year in 14, first year under 16. And kind of, that's when uh, one of the national coaches, Tim Buckle, did a speech or uh, like a, yeah, like a talk and get together with Solio Cycling Club, talking about training and progressing and stuff like that. And that's kind of the first time I took it seriously and wanted to actually focus on, on bike riding. How did it feel when you had your first national win? Uh, I can't even remember when my first, where my first national win was. Um, I don't, I don't even know if I actually won. Ah, I won my first national championships that I won was on the on the track, and that was a points races in the sixteen, I think it was. I don't think I ever won a national circuit race or national cyclocross race, but yeah, or or even on the track. So yeah, my first national championship win was um, was on the track and the points racing. Still, I can't really, uh, you know, like that first win at the time, I couldn't re- couldn't believe it because I kind of, I was having a good year on the bike, but um, I hadn't really been performing to that level. And that day I just had, uh, yeah, diamonds in the legs kind of thing. And um, yeah, it was just, yeah, I can just remember having no clue with the race because it was a points race and I'd lost count of how many points I had. And I just went full gas for the last sprint, just hoping for the best and kind of, when it came up on the board afterwards, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it was pretty emotional as well, just because, you know, my dad was there and my family and it was my first big win in, in cycling. So you mentioned doing a road and track. In 2015, you took away three bronzes, a silver and a national champs jersey in the track national championships. And you took a silver medal at the road national champs. Can you tell me about that season 
on the road and track for you. Yes, I think, well, it's good research for starters. Where did you find all that? I can't even, I couldn't even remember all of them results. So uh, no, that was good, good work. But um, yeah, uh, so that would have been, what was it, 2015, I think? Yeah. Yeah, so my last year under 16, I think it was. Um, so I'd been working with, I think it was the first year that the ODA, Olympic Development Apprentices, was introduced as under 16s. And I was working with our local, uh, like the West Midlands coach, which was Rob Sharman. So that was kind of, you know, the start of the year. And I was introduced onto that. And that used to be like the old talent team program, like five, six years ago, probably even longer now, 10 years. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that was like the the start of the year and uh, I'd been working well with Rob Sharman and I knew I was in a good place going into the season, kind of. I'd won the, the National Omnium Series, I think, in, uh, in the West Mids. And then uh, when you did that, you qualified for the National Omnium Championships. And then, yeah, kind of, I think the National Omnium Championships came first out of that whole string of uh, events and uh, yeah, did pretty well there and then kind of just just had the confidence in, and the motivation and uh, yeah, just I kept ticking them off kind of thing. And yeah, I think it was the road race, road race afterwards where I was second and, uh, and then yeah, around to the track at the end of the year. And, you know, even on the track, just um, I think I was fourth in the team sprint or something as well there. That was like my worst result of the year in the, in the like championships and like the national championships. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that year, there was so many factors that went into it, but a lot of it was uh, was down to Rob Sharman and the you know the coaching at BC there. You rode Junior Paro Bay in twenty sixteen. Was that your first international race? Yeah, I think I, d- I don't even know from uh, if that was on my pro cycling stats. Then I think that was my first international race. Let me have a look. But certainly, it was like my first big race that I'd done with uh, with the national team. Um, so um yeah my pro cycling stats I uh, know so my first my first international race was Ghent Wevelgem and then Paris Roubaix was my second uh, international race but yeah Ghent Wevelgem I didn't finish uh, I don't know what happened there I think I crashed but yeah 60 I was 68 at Paris Roubaix my first international race but um yeah that was with the national team and uh, yeah it was my first you know first taste of international competition didn't really know what to expect um, you know I'd been racing well in the UK but when you're racing with different nations and you know the best riders in the world in that age group then it's uh it's something completely different and yeah it's quite daunting and um yeah certainly i remember being pretty nervous before before them races and not really knowing what to expect and uh yeah it was kind of um it was a it was a big learning experience and a big big step forward later that year you rode the junior track world champs can you talk me through that experience so I can't even remember what was it 2016. Yeah. Gosh, it goes so fast, and it all it all like combines into one one experience and one race. But um, I can't even. Do, do you know what uh, country it was in? Was it Eagle in yeah. Switzerland? Yeah. 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 So I think that was my. I think it was probably my first first year junior. No. So yeah. For, yeah. For my first world championships, it was. Um, yeah, for sure, it was a you know daunting experience, and um, yeah, it's not really. I don't think you can really ever be prepared for a first world championships. I think it's always going to be, you know, a big experience. And um, yeah, you learn a lot from, from a world championships and uh, certainly your first, first international race on the track. You learn a lot as well. You were junior Parry Bay again the next year. How was that time different from your race the previous year? Yes, I think I rode it twice as a, yeah, I rode it both years as a junior. So my first year, I remember crashing on the second or third sector into the race. And then that was kind of my race over from there. You know, you, you never really get back from, from a crash in Roubaix and it is pretty hard to, to come back to the front of the race. But, you know, the second year that I rode Roubaix was the year that Tom Pidcock won. Um, and yeah, I was going a lot better that year. And also, yeah, just kind of had the experience from international races. I'd, I'd had a good block of racing beforehand in, uh, in Belgium, I think. And uh, yeah, like that was that was a huge race for us as a, like as a junior national team, just cause it was such a big result for Tom. Um, and also we, you know, we played such a big, big part in that, in that result. And uh, yeah, I just remember I went up the road at, I can't remember which sector, probably 10 to go, 11 to go. I was in a small group with three or four riders and then Tom came across to the group and uh, 
yeah worked from a bit there and then and then he, he left everyone and, and soloed it to the to the uh to the velodrome so yeah for sure for us that was um you know that was that was the first time we'd had a big win as a national team um together and that that made a big difference to uh yeah to that to that first win I think you know the fact I can still remember it so well now kind of is testament to you know how uh how big of a, a win it was for us. You got a silver in the team suit of the track Europeans and became Madison national champ with Race Britain. Were you happy with your track season that year? Yeah, I think I think that year it was a pretty uh, pretty mixed bag. I remember it was quite funny because at the European Championships I also rode the Madison with Race Britain, and it was like two weeks or even one week between the European Championships and the and the national championships and. Uh, yeah, the European Championships. We'd got second that first day on the on the team pursuit, and then me and Reese were riding the Madison later that week. And uh, I just remember that that Madison, I was really suffering. I was absolutely crawling, and uh, yeah, Reese just kind of towed me around the whole Madison, kind of carried me the the whole way. And uh, yeah, I was just making sure that I swung him him in for every sprint. And you know, if we was if we was trying to take laps. You know, he was doing longer turns and, you know, I was missing turns in the Madison. And then, yeah, it was kind of pretty disappointing that Madison because one week later in in uh, the national championships, it was completely the opposite way around. And I was flying and kind of carried Reese round. And, uh, yeah, we won the national championships. But if I'd had the same legs in the European championships, you know, we could have been European champions as well. So, yeah, it was kind of um, them two weeks. I just remember we were so up and down and there were so many highs, mm-hmm. but also you know, huge lows as well. And uh, yeah, I think in the whole, it was a good track season, but I think uh, it could have been so much better. And you did your first road world champs. Can you tell me about that experience? Yes, yeah, so I think my first road world champs was in Bergen, in Norway, if I remember. Um, and yeah, that was, you know, that was kind of the best I'd been going all year. Um, I had the best legs that I was I'd had going into that, into that race. And uh yeah, you know, Tom had won the TT a day before um, or two days before and kind of that boosted everyone's everyone's morale and everyone's uh, emotions and, you know, we kind of knew we were going into the race with one of the best teams. So, um, yeah, that, that was a huge, uh, yeah, it was a huge experience just because the crowds were so big in Norway and it was the first time I'd experienced the World Championships on the road and what the World Championships were about. And then, yeah, I came away with fifth, I think, on the... Mm. And the road race and that kind of, you know, topped everything off. It kind of, you know, consolidated where I was in the sport and kind of made me realise that actually, you know, I probably do have a future in the sport, yeah. Were you happy with that to end your time as a junior? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, there's not many other ways that I would have wanted to end that my time as a junior there in, uh, in Bergen. It was kind of like, you know, the, the best way to end it just because, we was there as a national team, you know, me, Tom and Fred had, uh, had like raced with the national team and with uh, Stuart Blunt in the uh, junior development programme for like the f- the last two years. And uh, yeah, kind of went to Bergen, Tom won the TT, I was fifth in the road race. I think it was the best result that GB had had at that point in a, in a road race also. So kind of to finish my junior season there, uh, to finish my time as a junior there and to finish it with, you know, Tom, Fred, and Stuart Blunt um, in that group of riders was kind of, uh, yeah, it was a fairy tale ending to a, a junior career, I'd say. And so the next season, you moved up an age category. How did you find your first season as an under 23? Yeah, I think, um, well, yeah, my first season as an under 23, you know, I, I think it was like the second or third race that I did that year when I finished second at Gent Wevelgem. So, you know, it, it went pretty well in, in that sense. But, um, yeah, kind of, you know, moving from junior to under 23, it's such a big step because, um, you know, you go from racing guys that are one year older or one year younger than you to racing guys that are like four years older than you or or like that. So, yeah, it's a huge it's a huge difference. And just from, you know, maturity perspective and, you know, how people develop differently, it was um, it was a big step. Um, but, yeah, we didn't really like we didn't know what what to expect going into into our time as under 23. And, you know, we'd spent some time out with the national team in Italy and stuff like this. And we'd put together goals for the year. And I just remember one of my goals for the year was uh, just to like finish a, an international race in Italy. Um, 
and then yeah you know I finished second in Gemmelbergem and then I think I was third a week later in in an Italian race and kind of yeah, yeah that kind of that was a, a, a big point in my career where uh, you know I realized that I could you know compete at this level and uh, and be be competitive in uh, in cycling. And you started your next season with Group Harmer FDJ Continental Team. How did that move come about? Yeah, so obviously I'd spent a year with the with the national team, and then I'd spent you know the four years previous to that, um, like within the Great British Cycling Team, set up and around the same staff and riders and all of that. And uh, yeah, I kind of came to the realization that my first year on the as an under 23 that I didn't really want to focus on the track and I wanted to focus more on the road and uh, try and make a career of it there so um yeah my main reason just for for leaving the for leaving the British cycling program to go to you know a French development team that was a world tour development team was just wanting to focus on the road and uh and make a career of it on the road and it was the first year that FDJ were were making their continental team um, and their development team and they kind of came to me after Gent Wevelgem I think it was and we had some good conversations and then yeah it kind of went from there and actually you know when I look at it now it was <laughs> the best move that I'd made really because I don't think I think if I'd stayed in the in the British cycling program at the point when I moved then I probably wouldn't be where I am today in the, in the world tour. How did you find your first season with the team? Yeah so obviously it's, it was an international team and completely different lifestyle and all of this and you know moved out to France and spent spent the season out in France um so it was a big change in that sense but actually you know I think for myself it kind of it was a good move just because it made me grow up so much faster and I was around different experiences and around different cultures and different lifestyles and uh yeah it made me realize that there's so much more out there than just like this British cycling bubble and racing racing in the UK and I think for me that was a huge step and it was you know a kind of a necessary step in my development as a bike rider to to progress to the world tour. How did you find the language and culture barriers on the team? Yeah so you know there wasn't the first year in my continent you know there was a more of a language barrier now in the world tour team than there is in the continental team just because the continental team has been so much more international since the start, whereas the World Tour team has been a French team since, you know, the start of the team 25 years ago. And it's only now that it's starting to move uh, more to an international team rather than just a purely French team. So, yeah, I think the language barrier actually is more difficult in the World Tour team than it is in the continental team, just because it was so international in the continental team. So in that sense, the, the language barrier wasn't too bad, but I still wanted to immerse myself in, in the French language and learn the French language just to make my life easier and, you know, communicating with other people and just because, you know, being able to speak another language is, uh, is pretty handy as well. That season you rode the Baby Giro. How was that experience for you? Yeah, so that was uh, my first Baby Giro. So I think I did two Baby Giros, my second and third year. Um yeah, last year was after COVID and all of that. But yeah, my first year, you know, the Baby Giro, it was kind of, I think it was the second like big tour that I'd done as, a, as an under 23 because my first year I'd ridden Tour de l'Avenir. So I kind of knew what to expect going into the Baby Giro. But um, yeah, obviously it's a completely different race to, to racing in France and across the big climbs in France. It's a, it's a bit different in uh, in Italy in the Giro. And yeah, I kind of knew what to expect. But um you know, I was still kind of discovering myself as a bike rider and seeing, you know, where I fitted in in the peloton and stuff like that. And um, yeah, for me, that baby Giro, I just did a lot of work for work for the team and uh, helping them out and then tried my hand a few times in the sprints. But actually, you know, I didn't really get the results in the sprints. So I just kind of uh, carried on helping the team. And um, I think in the end, one of our riders finished top five on GC or top 10 on GC. So in the end, it was a pretty good experience. And uh yeah, plenty, plenty learnt. And you also did your first tour of Britain. How did it feel to race on home roads? Yeah, so yeah, so um, I racing on home roads for me is like always the best. Like my first year under twenty three, I did uh, with the national team. I did Tour de Yorkshire, but crashed in that. So kind of to come back to the UK and like race a race that I really wanted to race and was really motivated to race and. Uh, it was just before the world championships as well. And just after 
I'd broken my collarbone. So it was kind of like, you know, I'd, I'd raced and had time off with a broken collarbone and spent a lot of hours and weeks on the turbo trainer and then came to, came to racing in the UK. And for me, that was, um, yeah, that was, you know, racing in the UK is always such good fun. And, uh, it's always nice to, you know, we always get such big crowds and so many spectators out in the UK, even though we're not really a nation that, you know, is, is bike loving and, uh, supports bike racing, but yeah, racing in the UK is always special and especially in the tour of Britain when you've got so many crowds. You got to race in the UK again at, at the Road World in Harrogate. Can you tell me about that race? Yeah, so yeah, Harrogate was really special. Just, uh, you know, we went into the race with Tom, who was clearly a favourite for the under-23s, even though he'd crashed before in uh, Tour de Lavenir. And yeah, as a national team, we had a really bad run up into the into the world championships like i'd broke my collarbone six weeks out from it um and then yeah hater broke his collarbone at tour de lavenir and then pidcock had his huge crash in, in tour de lavenir um yeah so we were kind of going into the race not really knowing where everyone was at um but we knew that we still had the favorite which was tom pidcock so yeah and certainly to be to be racing in yorkshire which was tom's you know home county and where he lives and uh yeah, to have a world championships again in the UK. And we saw how big the crowds were and the reception was when we had the Tour de France in, in Yorkshire a few years before that. So, um, yeah, it was just huge and such a massive experience to to have the world in, in Harrogate. And then in the end, you know, Tom was on the podium. And again, that was such a such a big result for us, just the run-up into the world that we'd had and then the teamwork that had gone into getting that result. And everyone played their part, so... Yeah, I think, you know, certainly Yorkshire Worlds is one of the races that is at the top of my, you know, favourite races of, of my career so far. At the end of 2019, you went to an awards night with the Dave Rayner Fund and won the Rider of the Year Award with Stuart Balfour. Can you tell me about that awards night and about the Dave Rayner Fund? Yeah, so that, that awards night was actually, uh, yeah, it, it was the last one before COVID. Um, so yeah, it's still, it's still pretty fresh in the memory because there hasn't been anything since, but, um, yeah, I shared the award with Stuart Balfour and actually that was, it was pretty nice. You know, it was, um, it was nice to receive it as a joint award just because we'd both been at the world championships, um, riding for, riding for Pickcock at the world championships and, uh, to share that award there was pretty special and kind of consolidated on what we'd done at the world championships and, uh, yeah, it was nice. It was really nice to share it, but. Yeah, the you know the Dave Rayner Fund they usually have a awards dinner every year and uh, you know it's just a big end of season party pretty much and everyone uh, yeah enjoys themselves and uh, has a good night together and you know you get to celebrate you know everyone's achievements through the year and usually there's some you know pretty big riders there the Yates brothers have been there before the Brownlee brothers and stuff like that so it's pretty cool pretty cool evening and um, yeah it kind of just celebrates what Dave Rainerfund do for so many riders abroad all year and, you know, the amount of financial support and emotional support and everything that they offer for, for young bike riders in like racing internationally through the year is just a huge celebration of that. And then usually they have an auction in the evening to, to try and raise some funds for, for the following year. And, you know, you have people bidding ridiculous money on, you know, green jerseys from the Tour de France and yellow jerseys from the Tour de France that are signed. So it's pretty cool evening and it's, uh, yeah, it's always good fun. So as you mentioned, things were a bit different in 2020. How did you stay motivated in lockdown and how did COVID affect your season? Yeah, I think, you know, everyone, 2020, everyone handled it completely differently, whether you're a professional bike rider or just, you know, a, a normal person working a, a normal job or if you was working you know, in the NHS, in the hospitals, I think for everyone, it was, um, everyone handled it completely differently. But yeah, certainly, you know, for me, I'd started the season and um, I'd had a pretty good start to the season. I knew my legs were good and I was kind of, it was the year that I wanted to try and chase getting a, a World Tour contract at the end of the year. So, um, you know, I, I was pretty motivated from the start of the season. And then just before the Spring Classics, I went on a training camp near Von Two with one of my teammates, and that's kind of when COVID started happening. So we'd, we'd just finished, like, I think we'd had two, three-day blocks, you know, pretty big hours on the bike, and we just finished week training. It was our last day. And basically, that's when they announced that, you know, the world was, uh, you know, shutting their borders, and uh, there'd be no bike racing, and races were getting cancelled and everything like that. And kind of, 
yeah, certainly their motivation took a pretty, pretty big hit. Um, you know, just the realization that, you know, no one knew how long this was going to go on for. People were saying maybe one or two weeks, other people were saying months. And in the end, you know, it was nearly two years in it. But um, yeah, I think for me, there was a big motivational hit when, you know, when I realized I'd be missing the spring classics, which are always the races that I enjoy doing the most. Um, and then kind of, yeah, as I came to realization, you know, went back to the UK, moved back out from France, moved home. Um, it was just, you know, good to be surrounded by my family, my girlfriend, everyone was healthy and, uh, you know, enjoying life as much as we could and kind of, you know, it made you realize how much we took it for granted before and everything like that. So in the end, you know, lockdown for, for some or a lot of professional cyclists was actually a time to unwind, spend time with the family and all of that, just because we spend so much time away and abroad all year. And in the end, you know, I came out of lockdown with pretty high motivation just because I'd spent time at home to refresh mentally, physically and put in some good training. And then once racing started again, I was dead motivated to uh, to kind of show myself and chase that World Tour contract again for, for the end of the year. Did you manage to get much racing in at the end of 2020? Yeah, so I think I started my season again, I think it was August, end of July, early August. Um, and in the end, you know, I think in the end, I had nearly 30 race days from from the end of the year through till through till the end of October. So, yeah, in in the grand scheme of things, actually, it's probably one of the busiest race periods we've had, like in, in recent years, just because there were so many races that we're trying to be condensed into such a small period of time just because organisers needed the money, organisers wanted to put races on, organisers, you know, wanted... Uh, yeah, everyone wanted cycling to return and bike racing to return. So, yeah, in the end, it was a real hectic, you know, three months or so. And uh, I just remember at the end of August, my last race was in Japan and it was a horrible day and just ridiculous crosswinds, like 40k an hour, echelons from the start. And uh, yeah, everyone was just so glad to get the kind of season finished and, um, and yeah, get into the off season. So this year you started your pro season with Group Palmer FDJ. How has your first pro season been? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of COVID was still affecting everything towards the end of the year, uh, end of last year, and it kind of started to affect it going into the start of this year. Um, so usually we'd go to Spain for a training camp with the team in December and January, um, and that was all cancelled, or certainly December was cancelled, and then January there was the, um, the border lockdown between the UK and Spain. So even for January, I couldn't go out to, to Spain for a training camp. So in the end, I ended up missing both the training camps with the team um, and then did a, a personal training camp on my own out in the south of France about two weeks before the start of the season. And it kind of, that was really the only big preparation that I did for the season um, away from the team just because of COVID and everything like that. So we weren't really sure going into the season where I'd be, you know, we hadn't, done all the testing that you'd usually do on camp and everything like that. So yeah, going into the season, we was pretty unsure where I was and how I was going to perform. But um, I think I pretty, I proved that pretty soon how well I was going in Versailles uh, and Omloop. And then kind of from there, yeah, it's just been, um, yeah, it, it's a season that I couldn't have, uh, yeah, wouldn't have imagined, imagined I would have in my first year professional. Can you tell me about your second in Omloop happening spot? Yeah, so Omloop was, it was kind of, so it was my first taste of like, um, like the spring classics and the opening weekend as a professional bike rider. Um, and I didn't really know going into it what to expect. Um, we had our briefing the night before, like we always do. And kind of my job for the day was just to position, position the leaders for the race and get them into a good place. At the start of the, where the where the real fighting starts for for the for the win of the race and kind of positions the leaders where I needed to position them and kind of from there just stayed in the bunch where I needed to be and carried on doing my job but kept finding myself in the front of the race and yeah at that point I got to the bottom of the Bosberg which is like the last big climb in in Omloop cobble climb and uh, IDS said on the radio like all you need to do is get over this climb and. Um, and yeah, I managed to get over there. And then from there, they just said, look, we'll go for Jake for the sprint just because uh, I was the fastest guy there from the team. And um, yeah, came away with second. But that was, a, yeah, that was a huge step, obviously, in my first year pro. And you've done a number of stage races this year, including the Tour of Switzerland and the Tour of Poland. 
Can you talk me through some of your favourite memories from racing around Europe? Yeah, so Tour of Switzerland and Tour of uh, Romandia are two horrible races just because the amount of climbing that's in them. And usually Romandia is really bad weather and it was, again, really bad weather this year. Um, so certainly Romandia isn't up there on one of my favourite races in Europe. But yeah, I mean, obviously as a professional cyclist, we're so privileged to see so much of the world. Um, and that's what makes the job so special, just seeing so many different countries all year. But for me, I haven't done any racing in Italy this year, but certainly for me, my favourite place to race is in Italy. Just, uh, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful country. The climbs are amazing. You know, the mountains are so nice. The lakes are also really nice. And then, you know, you have the coast as well, which is super nice. And then you get good food in Italy as well. So <laughs> it's always nice racing in Italy. I'd say certainly is my favourite place to race in uh, Mm-hmm. In, in the world so the road world champs was an incredible race to watch how did you feel being part of that and what was your role within the team that day yeah so what road world championships was like is one of the first times in a while that the uh the world championships have been in like in flanders and belgium which is typically you know the uh like the heart of cycling um so everyone knew that it was going to be a huge event uh, just being in Flanders anyway but the fact that you know was coming out of two years of COVID and restrictions and everything like that and that they were lifting was um was pretty uh yeah it was pretty special going into Flanders World Championships just because everyone knew that it was going to be such a big event and there weren't going to be all these COVID restrictions in place and uh yeah that was you know I think we said it on the bus before the start of the stage and uh before the start of the race and we said it you know at the end of the race race as well like that's probably the biggest event we're ever going to ever going to ride just in terms of the crowd and the spectators. And it's probably unlikely that we're going to get an event like that again in, in, you know, modern cycling, just because of the circumstances leading into the race and kind of where the race was as well. But yeah, I certainly, you know, remember the first time we got into Leuven, you came off a big descent, turned right at the bottom and straight up this, uh, this climb. And the, the noise was just unbelievable. We had, you know, Luke Rowe shouting at us from behind and you couldn't hear a word that he was saying. It was just, yeah, I've never experienced uh, noise like it. So, yeah, for 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 us as, as bike riders, it was probably the most special, you know, special race that we've done before. Um, and then, yeah, my role as a, in the team, you know, we had we had Pidcock as the, um, as the leader and uh, we knew that from, you know, three or four months ago just because of how well he'd gone in there. Uh, in uh, Amstel and um, yeah my role for the day was just to position Tom and uh, and Luke for as long as I could into into the into the race and yeah from there it was just for Tom to uh, to do what he had to do for the finish and you know I finished at 200k with with Ben Swift and from there it was just down to Tom. So I mentioned earlier in the podcast about you doing Junior Paris Bay twice and this year you did your first pro Paris Bay how was this race different to Junior Paris Bay? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, first, yeah, an elite Roubaix is a completely different beast to to the under twenty three and Junior Roubaix. Um, just um, obviously, the length is is so much longer. It's a good, you know, hundred and fifty k, nearly longer. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it's a completely different, completely different beast. And um, yeah, for us, the. Uh, you know, this year, the biggest factor was the weather. It was the first mm-hmm. wet rebay in nearly 20 years. Um, and that was huge. And, uh, and yeah, it certainly, you know, everyone, you could tell that everyone was nervous before the start. And I think we get that every year, you know, people are nervous before, before the start, especially of rebay. But this year with the weather and, and the, and the rain, it made everyone extra, uh, extra nervous. And, and yeah, for me, it was, um, you know, I had, I've been performing well in the classics this year, but we had Stefan and uh, Anna Demar there as our leaders for for Roubaix. So yeah, kind of my Roubaix finished before it even started, just because I'd crashed, you know, at 100k just before the first sector. And kind of if you crash there, you never you're never going to make it back into the race. And uh, yeah, that was my race over. But certainly it was a huge experience, and then uh, there's a lot learned even in the first 100k of the race going forward to uh, to the future. It was such a cool race to watch, but it must have been so crazy and even more than it has ever been before with all of the weather and everybody crashing out. Well, yeah, that was the thing, you know, it was, um, 
yeah, you could really feel the nerves from the start of the race. Like that was the biggest thing that everyone was saying. But um, yeah, kind of like, yeah, you know, even in the 100K before the first cobbled sector, it was it was mayhem already. And there was, you know, riders and groups going up the road and crashes and everything. And uh, yeah, I think it was, it's an experience, you know, that is once in a generation as we've seen, because it hasn't been a wet rebate in the last 20 years. And to be a part of that as my first year professional is, is pretty special. So you recently did Paris tours, but you had a double puncture. What were your hopes going into that and how did you deal with it not going to plan? Yeah, so, you know, going into Paris tours, it was a week after Roubaix, uh, towards the end of the season, motivation isn't that high anyway. And kind of, I had a fairly rough week on the bike anyway, just, you know, lacking motivation, not doing great training sessions and stuff like that. So didn't really know what to expect going into Paris, Paris tours, but went out on the bike the day before felt pretty good and kind of yeah kind of um it's one of them races again similar to Roubaix anything can happen you know with the gravel sectors punctures crashes are such a big thing um but yeah we went into the race with Stefan and I know Damara as, as the two leaders for the team um and then kind of I was there as a as a as a wild card if if they had problems or whatever in the finish just as long as I was in the group with them then and that's all that mattered but yeah was feeling really good on the bike and then, uh, and then, yeah, double punctured the first sector. And from there, I think, you know, our sports director said when I punctured, we were something like five minutes behind the race. And in the end, I finished two and a half minutes or two minutes, 15 behind the front. So I think, you know, the legs were, the legs were really good and I was feeling really good on the bike, but just, just lacked the look. So you've now got the national championships this weekend. What are your hopes for that? Yeah, I think, you know, given last week, the disappointment with Roubaix, the disappointment in Paris Tours, Having good legs in Paris tours, I'm, you know, really motivated going into to national championships, and um, it's definitely, you know, a, a classics kind of ride, of course, spring classics kind of style circuit. Um, so yeah, really motivated going forward, forward into that, and uh, yeah, I think you know I've got big, big ambitions for it. There's two, there, well, there's three of us this year with in Group Armour FDJ with Lewis and uh, Joe Pickcock in the Conti team, so. You know, we've got numbers this year and um, that's always beneficial in the, in the national championships when you have the huge county teams with, you know, 10, 15 riders. It makes a big difference. Um, so, yeah, definitely really motivated going into it. And, uh, yeah, certainly it'd be uh, it'd be nice to come away with a uh, national champs jersey. And what are your plans for 2022? So, yeah, 2022, uh, more than anything, I just want to win a race. <laughs> that's kind of... Well, I've been chasing all year this year and I've been close and, you know, had injuries, crashes and stuff like that when I've had good legs. So it's just the nature of professional cycling. But yeah, certainly 2022, I'm really motivated to uh, to get my hands in the air. Um, but yeah, more than anything, you know, I know where I want to focus moving forward. And you now I'm going to put big focus in, you know, all my objectives in the, in the spring classics for next year and try and get a good season in the spring classics and then kind of see where the rest of the year takes us. But yeah, spring classics, full spring classic campaign and a grand tour would kind of be the perfect year for me next year. And where do you see yourself in five years time? Yeah, I think, um, well, I've still got three more years with Group Armour FDJ. So, um, you know, it's, it's a really good opportunity to, to carry on developing with the team and, um, yeah, building on, on the relationship that we have there and kind of developing me into the rider that we can see myself being in, in five years time. But yeah, certainly, you know, five year years time, I'd like to think that I would have uh, won a spring classic or, you know, podiums or won a, won a monument in the, in the spring classics. And uh, yeah, you know, we've got, you, we've got the Olympics coming up in Paris in 2024 and it'll be a pretty good parkour that suits me and also, you know, the national team. So um, certainly that's up there in our, in our goals to come away with a, a win at the Paris 2024 Olympics also. Do you miss the track because obviously you sort of decided to move on to the road, but do you ever miss um, racing on the track? Yeah, I think because like racing on the track was kind of one of the first things that I uh, I did. Um, you know, it was kind of my first love in cycling. I really enjoyed enjoyed the track and, you know, that's where my heart was at racing-wise for, for a lot of years. And for me as a young bike rider, you know, I looked at like the likes of Brad Wiggins, Owen Dahl, Pete Kennett, guys like this who had done, you know, an Olympic track cycle, came away with an Olympic gold medal on the track and then transferred to the road. And kind of that was my dream for for so long. And then when I kind of realised 
that track wasn't necessarily going to work out um then I, I turned my focus to the road but yeah you know madison for me was uh was always my favorite event on the track and the the event that i love doing the most and uh yeah i certainly missed madison racing and uh I keep speaking with the team and, and riders in the team and saying, look, I want to get back on the track and do some six days through the winter and stuff like this. And uh, yeah, certainly I think I'll get back on the track at some point to, uh, to do some six days. What's your favourite race you've ever done? Uh, so yeah, I think my favourite race that I've ever done is probably Flanders this year, World Championships. Um, just the atmosphere is something that, you know, I've never experienced before. And it was just, yeah. It was, you know, so special coming out of COVID and everything that we've had over the last two years to have, you know, world championships that big and that special. And in, you know, the heart of cycling, having good weather in in Belgium for the world championships played a big part as well in there. Yeah, that was certainly the, my favourite race today. And is there a race that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um. I think Amstel Gold is a, is is probably high up there. Is a, is a race that I'd really enjoy doing. Um, again, it's kind of a race that kind of suits me if I if I'm going well. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's one of them big big classics races. But you know, a race that I'd really like to do also, where I don't crash or I haven't crashed before or I haven't been ill before, is Flanders because I've had two shots at it already. Um, Last year we had stomach problems before and we was all sick. And then this year, obviously, I broke my hand before Flanders. So, yeah, Flanders is definitely one race that is, you know, high on the priority list next year. What's your favourite race to watch? Um, Paris-Roubaix, I think. Yeah, I'd say Paris-Roubaix. I um, yeah watched it back this year anyway, just because it's just such a, you know, such an iconic race and yeah. so much good. If you, yeah, it's just so exciting to watch. Where's your favourite place to ride for fun? Uh, Italy, I'd say. It's just, yeah, Italy for sure. It's such a beautiful country, um, especially like that northern part of Italy with the mountains and lakes is, uh, is definitely, um, yeah, probably one of my favourite places to, to ride. And, um, yeah, good coffee, good cakes, good food, good pasta, pizza. I think you can't go much wrong with Italy. Do you prefer to ride alone or with other people? Uh, it depends, I think, on the kind of training block that I'm in. And um, yeah, certainly through the winter, I enjoy riding with other people. It's nice to get a big group together and long endurance rides in the climbs and in the hills and go for a cafe stop and, you know, just enjoy a good social ride. But yeah, you know, in serious blocks of training, sometimes training on your own for six hours a day is really boring. Um, so it's nice to have two or three of the the riders to ride with but I'd say yeah certainly in a serious block of training no more than you know two other two other guys to ride with but um yeah I certainly enjoy riding more with with other people it definitely makes it more enjoyable and more sociable. Who's your favourite current rider? Oh um is it it's not someone that I know well or know really at all or spoken to but I think it'd definitely be Alaphilippe he's just so cool and uh yeah on the bike he's he's just class and uh yeah he's just uh he's just a nice guy he seems like and um yeah he's just uh just a pretty cool guy who's your favorite rider of all time uh all time would probably be and uh, yeah would probably be someone like Jens Voigt I mean he was you know he was a he was a good bike rider but he wasn't one of these you know bike riders that was winning races all the time but he was um you know I just loved his mentality and uh he was always fighting and always fighting for the win and uh you know he had a lot of style and class and panache on the bike and uh yeah he, he was a uh, yeah he was a cool guy in the in the peloton it seemed like and it was always it was always fun to watch him racing uh what's your advice for young riders I think the biggest thing for young riders is uh to enjoy riding your bike I think, um, yeah, don't take, don't take riding your bike too seriously. And uh, as soon as training starts feeling like a chore, then you need to, you need to knock it back and uh, make it, make it more enjoyable. And um, yeah, certainly, yeah. The biggest thing in, in cycling, you know, is, is such a hard sport, whether, you know, you're doing a hard training session or if you're training in the rain and the wet and the cold or, or whatever, it's, it's such a hard sport. So yeah, the biggest thing is you need to enjoy it. And uh, as soon as you're, you're not enjoying it, then, reevaluate it and uh, find something that you're enjoying more in training. 
You've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race. What's on your playlist to get you motivated? Yeah, uh, yeah so we, it's pretty, uh, so on our bus and the team bus, there's only two or three guys that are allowed control of the speaker. And one of them is Jacopo Guarnieri. But um, yeah, I wouldn't really know what, uh, what I would pick to be my motivational song going, uh, going down to the, to the start specifically. But, you know, Summit, I'd yeah, go rock and roll from like the 90s. Summit really uh, fast moving with a bit of bass and get you, get you nice and pumped. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a specific song, but Summit around that genre just to, uh, to get the blood going a bit. Thank you for joining me today, Jake. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. So I spoke to you on Friday, a few days before the uh, National Road Race Championships. Can you talk me through your build-up to the race? Yeah, I think, um, obviously, pretty long season anyway. Raced uh, Roubaix and Paris Tours the two, the two weekends before National Championships. So, um, yeah, we'd had, like, a big run into Roubaix with World Championships the week before. Um, so we'd had a big block of training and that's where like the main focus was and just making sure that we was good for national, uh, for world championships and Roubaix and then kind of, you know, from Roubaix, you can carry your form for two weeks into international championships. So really, yeah, there wasn't too much prep that actually went into national championships because we'd done all the work, um, beforehand at, uh, in preparation for, for Roubaix. So yeah, really like the two weeks before national championships was a uh, pretty easy kind of winding down not many hours on the bike just kind of staying fresh and uh yeah try and get the legs in the best place that they could be for national championships and more importantly make sure there's some motivation there for uh for the head as well did you get a chance to practice the course before you went out to do the race yeah so normally um yeah in the normal circumstances we'd probably go over and uh do a couple of laps of the circuit and just kind of see where it's at but uh yeah, because it was, you know, two hours from where I was living. It wasn't really, you know, I wasn't going over the night before and staying in a hotel. So kind of, um, yeah, just just rocked up on the day. And um, it's a pretty long race, you know, 13 laps of a of a 12K, 13K circuit. So uh, once you've done one lap, it's um, you pretty much know what, what's to come the rest of the race. So, yeah, didn't didn't really do a recon this year just because, um, yeah, the, the nature of the course. But, yeah, if it was kind of like an out and back where you start in one place and finish in another place, um, probably would have done more preparation and a recon for that just so you can see the, the run into the finish. But yeah, on a circuit, it's, uh, it's actually pretty easy not to, to not do a recon and know where you're going. How did you feel before the start of the race on the Sunday morning? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, before national championships, I find you're always nervous. I think, you know, I was, I was probably more nervous before national champs than I was before Rebay in, in world championships just because, yeah, having the the national jersey on the line kind of is a, is big stakes. And um, yeah, it's always, national championships is usually one of the hardest races of the season um, just because, you know, the, the level of the field is really high this year, but also there's very little control in the racing and you've got no big teams that can control the race and control a breakaway. So it's just, uh, yeah, full gas from from start to finish. So yeah, always nervous before a national championships because you never really know how it's going to go and, and where the legs are. And obviously there weren't radios. How did you find that in the race? Yeah, I think, um, so yeah, racing without radios, I, I actually prefer. It's kind of, it's the same in the world championships. We race without radios um, and uh, yeah, it makes... I feel makes the racing a lot safer, especially in the in the world tour, because you haven't got sports directors shouting at everyone when something dangerous is coming, or you know to squeeze or whatever when when uh, you're coming into a corner or echelons or something like that. So, yeah, in a in a national championships, obviously it's different because you haven't got a big team there anyway. So, you know, it was just me, Lewis, and Joe Pickcock this year. Um, but you know, when it's kind of a small field like that, and uh, and as world tour riders, you know, it's not usually necessary to have a radio, but um, yeah, certainly, you know, in general, I prefer racing without radios. I feel like this, the racing is a lot safer and uh, it's a lot more fun, more enjoyable and kind of when you're racing without radios, it's the best races that win rather than being told, you know, where to attack, where not to attack and, and what kind of how you need to ride.
Do you think that there were any sort of team tactics or do you think people were mainly riding for themselves? Yeah, I think, um, you know, kind of, so when you've got teams like Ineos, when they've got three riders there, um, certainly the World Tour teams and Pro County teams, um, there are tactics there just to kind of, you know, when we're so outnumbered by the big, big continental teams in the UK, you need, you need some kind of tactics to try and try and overcome the, uh, the big county teams. But yeah, certainly, you know, there's probably tactics there from Ineos, I think. Um, and also Arkea and yeah, as, as group partner FTJ, we went in with, with, uh, with, with a kind of plan and, uh, yeah, to, uh, to try and put us in the best place possible to win. But yeah, I think, you know, this year, certainly the Conti teams, there was a couple of big Conti teams there, um, Canyon DHB and, uh, and Rivel and, you know, they didn't, it seemed like they didn't really have much of a plan and didn't have a team tactics going into the day. And I think, yeah, if they'd, um, if they'd been better prepped, better prepared and had a plan and tactics going into the race they you know a county team that big can definitely upset the result but um yeah certainly this year there, there wasn't much in the way of tactics with county teams how did you feel um after the first few laps yeah it's kind of it's kind of funny it's um lincoln's a really hard circuit anyway with a cobble climb like that you know it's not it's not too long you don't really feel it on the first first couple of laps but um yeah the weather it was cold wet and then you've got a, a climb like that and it kind of just wears wears everyone down gradually and wears the peloton down it's rather than necessarily the race going off the front it's you know a war of attrition at the back of the field and people just getting dropped there and yeah for the first couple of laps I was feeling pretty good um and then yeah kind of got myself in the in the move that I knew was going to going to stick and going to stay away just because I had a number of world tour boys and uh, strong riders in it. And then, yeah, kind of the legs, the legs started to, uh, to desert me and yeah, eventually the doors fell off, but it was kind of bike racing that. On the cover climb, did you ride on the covers or did you ride in the gutter? Yeah, it's, um, it's hard. It was funny trying to, you know, see where it was best to ride because obviously we had such big, there was pretty big crowds on, uh, on Michael gate anyway. So, um, yeah, riding in the gutter, it's it's not actually that big of a gutter that is is easy to ride in. You kind of, if you're riding in the gutter, you kind of risk crashing or catching a pedal on the curb just because it's so narrow. And then, yeah, with the crowds also, it makes it a bit harder to ride on the gutter. So, yeah, I did, you know, I'd say 50-50 part of the climb on in the gutter and part of the climb in the uh, on the cobbles. But um, yeah, I found it was it was easier riding in the in the cobbles as you weren't having to back off the pedals and get back on the pedals and try and correct your, correct yourself when you was in the gutter. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, uh, there's two ways that you can ride the Michael gate and it's either in the gutter or on the cobbles, but I think both are probably as fast as one another when it comes down to the power transfer. Yeah, it really looked like it was busy there and like there was a great atmosphere. Yeah, it was really good atmosphere in Lincoln. It was, um, yeah, it was nice to kind of have a race in the UK again with a big crowd. And I think, um, yeah, Lincoln kind of provided the perfect backdrop to have big crowds being, you know, such a historical place and then having a cool finish on a, on a cobble climb like that. I think um, it definitely attracts a lot more people than, say, if it's just a huge uh, bunch sprint or something like that. I think, um, yeah, it certainly made it, made it a good, uh, good occasion. So you didn't finish the race. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah, I think um, more than anything, it's just been a really long season. Um, I started racing the last weekend in January and then, uh, yeah, my last race was, was national championships in what middle of, middle of October. So yeah, for me, it was a really long season and, um, kind of throughout the whole season, I haven't really had, um, ob like major objectives. So we've kind of tried to tailor my training where I'm good for every race that I was coming into rather than peaking for some races, having a big recovery and then peaking again and kind of. Yeah, so we kind of tried to keep me on a on a level where where I could compete across across the whole calendar. But um, yeah, Sunday I don't know. It was it was to be fair, it was the first time this year where you know the legs have really fallen off and kind of deserted me. So in that sense, I can't be too disappointed um, as it was like the last race of the season, and it was the first time this season where I've really um, yeah really kind of cracked and you know the legs have just fallen off but I mean yeah I was feeling fairly decent the first couple of laps and then kind of the effort started to come to me when we was in the breakaway and uh yeah feeling worse and worse in the breakaway and then 
Lewis and a small group came across to us and kind of once I knew Lewis was in that front group, it was, uh, you know, it was it was fine for me to kind of drop back. And uh, yeah, in the end, I just didn't have the power in the legs. And uh, yeah, the lights just went out and that was that was game over. I'm so sorry that the race didn't go to plan. I've really enjoyed watching you race this season and I'm sure I'll see loads from you in the next few years. Wicked, thank you. No, that's uh, that's cool. I hope you enjoyed this episode and my chat with Jake at the end of the episode. What did you think of this episode? Get in touch via my Instagram at cycling.talk.podcast. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends. All of the episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, my Buzzsprout website and all the usual podcast places. See you on the bike.